Better, smarter, faster. The neural network needed to power the digital ecosystem of healthcare is poised to transform care both inside and outside of hospital walls in traditional care settings. Meaningful data analytics positioned in real time to drive better diagnostics, intelligent operations, seamless care coordination, and integrated telehealth. This is the future of connected healthcare. We talk to the experts about transformational roadmaps for this evolving landscape, what's working, what's needed, and how we get there together. Welcome to Healthcare On Air, presented by Verizon. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Healthcare On Air by Verizon. I'm your host, Robin Goldsmith, Health Innovation Principal and a member of our Healthcare Insurance and Life Science practice here at Verizon. So for this episode and several others, we're kind of taking a step back to where we started and really giving more and more attention and visibility to a topic which really deserves it and is in the spotlight today. But, you know, this is something that has really needs more and more attention. That's health equity. So to join me on this journey for these next few episodes is my co-pilot, Courtney Schoon from our corporate social responsibility team. Courtney, welcome. Thanks, Robin. Excited to be here. To give the audience just some context about the for Verizon Forward for Good Health Equity Cohort, can you just speak to that for a second? Sure. So we run our Forward for Good Accelerator program as really designed because we believe we have a responsibility and an opportunity to identify emerging solutions that are driving social impact. We know tech has a big role to play in addressing societal issues and that there is a lot of it expertise and innovation happening. And if we can find leaders with lived experience and the ingenuity and expertise, um, we can help accelerate those solutions. And so we identified, as you said, health equity as a key issue area where technology, there's a timely opportunity for technology to play a role. There is a robust ecosystem of startups addressing digital health opportunities, and Verizon has a, a role to play in supporting that. And so over the series, we're going to learn and hear from some of the seven companies that participated in the program. And um, I think you'll see that they all have a really strongly shared commitment to addressing health equity and that being the core mission of their program. And so I'm excited to introduce Riva from Lesson B um, and to tell us more about her solution and how they're addressing social determinants of health through health education. Welcome, Riva. Thank you. Awesome. Happy to be here. So, do my introduction? yeah, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, Lesson B? You know, I, I, I was saying earlier, I'm kind of a nerd, right? I love the art, the origin story. So, you know, maybe put it through that lens, um, you know, a little bit about your history and kind of where, you know, where you are now with Lesson B, a little bit, a little bit of context about Lesson B would be great. Absolutely. So I'm the founder and CEO of Lesson B and Lesson B is an educational technology company. We are on a mission to eliminate health illiteracy in this generation in partnership with schools and districts and teachers and parents through comprehensive, culturally responsive and medically accurate online health education that drives measurable gains in student self-efficacy and well-being. It's all about helping young people develop the knowledge, skills and values to promote individual, family and community health. It's about promoting self-directed learning and the recognition that self-direction does not mean isolation. 
So it's really important for us to create digital learning experiences that are supported by real world learning experiences and further supported by learning partnership with adults. And so for us, it's as important to provide online education that's validating, that's affirming, that's meeting every child where they're at, as it is to build the capacity of the adults who are facilitating that learning experience so that they, they feel confident, so that they feel connected and prepared to help young people and support them in having the talk, whether it's the mental health talk or the sex talk or the drugs and alcohol talk. Because we found that obviously we've all gone through the same education system uh, that, that hasn't met everyone where they're at in terms of their needs for health education. You know, and I'm sure we'll talk more about what that looks like through an equity lens. Um, so we've got adults who you know, left grade school with unanswered questions and unresolved anxieties, and, and they're the gatekeepers to health education in many ways, obviously spending way more time um, developing the next generation in these areas than you know, your medical professional might be. It's your parents and it's your peers and it's your teachers primarily that are helping to develop you to understand how you can be healthy in whatever domain. So we really are focused on that whole system, right? The school, the community, the after-school programs, and certainly again, the parents as a very important piece in this equation. And it's all, it's very heavily informed by uh, my experiences growing up. I had health class like everyone else and, you know, the gym teacher slash football coach wasn't necessarily someone I felt comfortable yeah, discussing. What, 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 do we, what do we get? Like, yeah. how many hours of, you know, of focus on health? And We don't get the quantity. We don't get the quality, right? And so I had a lot of challenges as a result of that. I felt adrift. I, I struggled with anxiety and isolation and my... My anxiety and isolation beget self-harm. And when I look back, it's really hard to even say what started first. Was it the isolation or the self-harm, you know? Um, but all that informs what we're doing today at Lesson B and the importance of helping young people have access to the information, the education, the skill building experience so that they know that they don't have to be adrift, that there are ways that they can learn to manage and nurture their health on their own. Thank you so much for sharing, Reva. I, I really appreciate that. Um, so let's take a step back and, you know, this big term health equity, right? I think we're, it, it's such a kind of all encompassing term and it means different things to different people, right? And part of when we did the cohort, you guys are addressing health equity from a, a bunch of different angles, right? Different solutions to address different things. I'd love to hear from you kind of when you, when someone says health equity, what does that really mean to you? Equity to me means meeting everyone where they're at across all the dimensions. And I, I tend to anchor things in, in the dimensions of well-being. Um, so it means meeting people where they're at in terms of their location and their, their physical ability. It means meeting people where they're at financially, mentally, emotionally, vocationally, culturally, linguistically, all the things. And understanding the need to, to be adaptable, to individualize, to personalize, to be responsive, to ensure that everyone has what they need when they need it. 
And I think that when you consider that, it's pretty clear that technology plays a very important role in making that possible. Yeah, I was just thinking about kind of, you know, your 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 mission and what you're trying to do. I mean, you know, all of us were were you know under under COVID restrictions. We were interfacing like this. This is our only form of kind of outreach to the the outside world. There's a lot of fear. You know, I can imagine like your program, you know, would serve as a lifeline when digital was really the only means of engaging and kind of having community and learning about, you know, you know, a once in a generation health with healthcare at the the nexus, right? Which was the pandemic. Your focus is health education, right? So I'm I'm just curious, kind of, you know, what how the effect of that was on your company and your journey. That's a great question. So you know, to be to be honest, when you think about it from a school perspective, the pandemic hits, health classes is, is, is not traditionally the highest academic priority in schools and districts, right? So it certainly didn't suddenly become that as a result of the pandemic hitting when they're trying to ensure that the buses are running and they've got enough masks and enough shields and, you know, where are kids going to learn? What is learning going to look like? Certainly with a focus on the core academic subjects, right? So that did not happen immediately. There wasn't this like, you know, miraculous uptick and let's focus on health class. But the conversations started to happen. Like there's, there's a health crisis and in particular, an emerging mental health crisis. The mental health crisis, it's hard to even say, well, you know, emerging because it was, it was there. It was there before pandemic, but it, it, it was building visibility, you know, spotlight shone on it, social emotional learning became the parlance for it, etc. And in all of those conversations made people start to look for solutions. And, um, you know, lesson B, emerging as something that was really unique, that stood out. When you look at the landscape of educational technologies and curriculum, that could be a solution to promote health and well-being, right? Not just from a content perspective, not just from a mastery of a subject perspective, but from a well-being perspective. And that's what really started to distinguish us in the marketplace. Can you talk more about that shift that you've seen and how, you know, how has that changed the sort of demand and how has it changed your process for designing and developing your curriculum? Um, in, in the sort of post-COVID era that we're in? <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, um, I think expanded the purview, the relevance, the importance of health and well-being in the K-12, pre-K-12 schooling context, really. And what you see across the country is schools and districts developing initiatives around well-being. And there, there are different words, and there are certain places where you can and can't say certain words, right? So in, in one place, um, you have a well-being initiative that might be wrapped in an equity initiative that might include being culturally responsive. And in another place, some of those words you won't say, but it might sound more like resilience, for example. But underneath all that is a focus on how do we keep kids safe and healthy? And I think an understanding that it's about inputs and outputs. So it's about education. You know, What do they know and need to be able to do as well as how are we ensuring that that's happening and how are we measuring the impact on young people? And so in other words, there's 
there's the, the content and the materials, but then there's how are we measuring success. And that measurement piece often falls under social emotional learning, interestingly enough. Um, but I think that the SEL space has had some challenges with measuring its impact for a whole host of reasons. But what differentiates lesson B is that we're bridging that fragmented landscape of here's your health education curriculum over here that may or may not be validating and affirming, that may or may not be comprehensive or medically accurate, that is almost certainly outdated, right? Here are your SEL tools that are, that are designed to check in on kids, again, separate from have we even taught them these, these, these subjects yet or these skills. And then how do we actually confirm that something is happening to move the needle as well as how do we leverage this information that we're gathering to improve our intervention, to improve how we're educating, to improve how we're providing services if services are needed. And Lesson B is a solution that just brings all that together in a way that's relevant and emotionally affirming with, with training and resources, again, for, for teachers and parents to keep that conversation going. Yeah, it's it's yeah, I'm just as listening to you talk, Reva. I mean, you think about it just makes sense, right? I don't think anyone, you know, we weren't given the right tools at an early age to really, you know, understand health and all the things, you know, all the changes that are happening. So, you know, just it makes so much sense that if you provide good education that's gamified, fun, you know, like you guys are positioning it and and bringing in the community around that, it, you know, it just would make common sense that, you know, folks are more engaged with their health, you know, try, you know, they're just better equipped as they move forward. And, you know, the, you know, as I see it, and I'm sure your, your ultimate outcome or goal would be so that folks don't fall into the typical traps of, you know, becoming diabetic or, you know, letting their, their health conditions get out of control, right? They just have a foundational, you know, understanding of what they, you know, things to think about, right? Yeah, it's it's that my my north star really is authenticity though, you know. Yeah. It's about wanting people to know who they are and be able to make responsible choices for themselves, so that they don't live a life of of lies and um and guilt and shame. I honestly think everything comes back to shame. When you think about mental mental illness and health, just so many things come back to that at the core as to why we don't operate in healthy ways. So this is about helping young people and helping everyone, you know, um, get in touch with themselves, gain confidence to communicate their wants and needs. And that allows you to, to access the resources that you need. It's not just about, again, checking the box on curriculum, but it's about, am I confident enough to talk about my mental health challenges with a teacher or with a counselor so that I can, so that I can get help or so that I can just talk about it? Yeah. and work through it, right? It's about that kind of more nuanced stuff to me as well. Reva, that brings up a question for me. So technology is obviously an enabler here, but it also has the potential to isolate. So can you talk about how you strike that balance in, in your program and the uniqueness of really utilizing and leveraging technology, but still building that community and authenticity at the same time? Absolutely, and I, and I actually really love that question. Um, it's like I said earlier, you know, self-direction does not mean isolation. And um, I, I don't want to give myself too much credit for that, to be honest, because I was really in the beginning thinking about it as self-directed learning. Let's just make sure that young people can learn regardless of what the adults in their lives are doing. 
Because that was because my experience wasn't necessarily that I felt like I had trusted adults to talk to. So I didn't want it to be contingent upon the adults. But what we validated really early was that young people loved the blended learning experience. They loved, they wanted to be able to build a foundation, an understanding. And as they did that, they wanted to be able to then keep the conversation going with the teacher. So it's so important that there's a credible adult and a trusted adult in the equation because they, they want to have that conversation. But when, so what you see happening with Lesson B over the days and weeks is that the classroom experience just starts open up, opening up. It's not just kids you know, staring at a screen. It's kids that are interacting and they're making choices and then they're sharing stories about what's happening in their lives. And then they're having that conversation with the teacher. It's, it's such a lively and dynamic learning experience that is driven by conversation and reflection. And, you know, I, like I said, I don't want to give myself too much credit for that because I'm not a classroom teacher. So I don't know that I necessarily architected it in that way, but what, what we certainly were focused on was making it realistic, making it relevant, making it culturally responsive, making sure, in other words, that the stories and the characters are fully realized, that students could see themselves in it. And I think by virtue of that, that it's so rich and it's so real and it's so relatable, that's what opens up things. for That's what fosters dialogue. So, you know, you've now graduated from our accelerator and congratulations and thank you for being a part of it, Reva. We'll take a step back. I just, I'm curious, kind of, you know, there's a lot of accelerators out there and there's, you know, luckily, I think it's a good thing that people are focused on health equity. Um, it, it hasn't got the attention it deserved. And I think one of the silver linings of the pandemic is that these disparities came into the spotlight more and more and people just got, you know, in a good way, they they said we have to focus on this because, you know, there's just it, it it's always been there, but it just came into the spotlight. Right. Access and equities and, and things that needed to change. And, you know, it's changing slowly. But, you know, we had several hundred applications. You know, you you were one of the finalists. You just had your showcase in Boston. You did an amazing job with your pitch. So it's a great job. I was lucky to be there and be a part of it to see that. But, you know kind of what what was that experience like and um if you could just speak to that your own experience going through this accelerator and and you know the i know there was a lot of camaraderie between the between the startups which was great to see should yeah what do you what were, what were your overall thoughts um well I, first of all I, I was honored uh to be chosen and it was an incredibly validating affirming and encouraging experience and I've, I've been in a few programs and I'm not going to name them all right now, but I, I, I'm going to go ahead and say <laughs> for the record that this was the best program that I participated in. And there, well, no, you can, yes. Uh, and I, I appreciate y'all. Um, I, I felt seen, I felt heard. Everyone engaged with such, you know, humble collaboration and, it, it wasn't the sort of program where it's like, we're just gonna talk at you and tell you how you should be running your business. It's we're gonna provide you with relevant education. We're gonna open doors for you. We're gonna make introductions. We're gonna connect you with people that can help you, you know, build capacity and, and improve your product. And obviously the fact that we're all focused on the same thing matters. I think that a lot of these accelerators should take that note you know, just throwing a bunch of founders together and saying, hey, you guys meet every week and talk and commiserate is, is not necessarily additive. 
you know, but when you have a shared mission and values and you're cheering each other on, um, that adds value because morale, number one, is a really important thing when you're on this, this kind of a journey. So I appreciated every single thing about the program. And I'm, I'm again, so honored um, to continue to be associated with Verizon. And I hope that we'll find more ways to collaborate moving forward. We appreciate that, Riva. So, you know, you graduated, you're now kind of on the other side of it. You know, what are, what are your next steps and what are, what are your kind of goals moving forward, the next stage of the growth? Mm-hmm. Well, picking up on what I just said, it's, it's partnership. It really is about partnership. And um, I don't think you have health equity without partnership, number one. It's about people with shared mission and vision for impact coming together and, you know, honoring what each person has to bring to the table and bringing your particular resources to the equation as well. And, And those things are going to differ, right? So I think diversity is important, humility is important, partnership is important. And when you talk about equity, I think all those things are implied in it. When you talk about meeting people where they're at, you know, respecting perspectives and and creating solutions that first and foremost are considering the most vulnerable amongst us. So for us, we know that we're differentiated. You know, we have something really special and really unique in this health education landscape. It's huge, it's hard one, and it's been a long time in the making. But what, what it signifies is that we've been selected among a, a premier pool of vendors for the district to, to provide curriculum translation revision services as they improve their, their health education offering for all of their networks and, and the schools beneath them. So, these are, so we're honored to be in this pool with these established vendors who have been doing this work for, for so long. And at the same time, we recognize that there's a need that these RFPs speak to. There's a need that hasn't been served. And we think a big part of that is the need for modernization, the need for- To bring a new perspective, is that- Yeah, new perspective. So we're, look, we're, we're a young team. We've got a different approach. We're, we're creating materials that are adaptive, that are interactive, that are closely responsive, that are relevant. We're proximate to the audience, right? So we've got some secret sauce here. And I think that it's an amazing opportunity for us to see how we can add value, you know, to some of these existing vendors, maybe partnership there could certainly serve the audience that exists. So that's what we're really going to be focused on. Well, congratulations. That's amazing to hear. We appreciate you sharing. You know, I I was going to say this earlier, but I think one of the things that stood out to me from all you guys that were in the, the cohort was, you know, you're... it's a hard thing, right? To start a company to, especially today where, you know, VC money is hard to find and you're bootstrapping and, and, you know, so first of all, congratulations for, you know, grinding away and and getting to where you are today. I'm sure getting that validation from, you know, the Chicago public school system is a huge, it means so much. So congratulations. And, you know, the other thing that I just wanted to say was, you know, I think, to a company, you all had this kind of mission of the lived experience that you shared earlier, right? And the goal of, if I can prevent someone from going through what I went through, that's a win, right? Is, can you speak yeah. to that? I mean, that that's certainly it. And, you know, wanting to heal the child in me, and I'm a mother now, and I obviously want to have 
the best health education programming for my daughter, and, and um, incidentally, and I, you know, for me, it's also uh, being a founder is hard. Um, you know, everyone wants to wants to tell you what to do and give you feedback, and you, you face so much scrutiny and so much criticism. It can be really, really hard. What I have, what I have evolved to, um, how I've evolved to see all of that is is that. I think this is important for, for social impact entrepreneurs in particular, that growth is really my upside. I'm very much focused on that idea. Obviously, you know, there's, there's exits and all this other stuff. And, you know, I'm bullish on lesson B as being, you know, being a success from that perspective, but the upside really is about growth and having that perspective allows me to take all sorts of stuff, you know, good, bad, and different and, and, make sure that it's my priority to, to work with it because there's something of value in everything, you know? So if growth is my upside, that aligns with our mission and values at Lesson B. And so that's where, that's where I focus myself. I wonder on that note, Reva, if there's advice you would share with other aspiring entrepreneurs, social in the healthcare space or broadly in the social impact space um, uh, who might be starting out or have an idea and what would you share from your journey? Lessons learned. I think it would be just that. I think that, you know, health and well-being are so important, obviously, is why I'm doing this. And your personal health and well-being, you can't compromise that. But there are going to be so many challenges to it. But it's about your mindset is what I'm trying to say. If you have the right mindset, you you can bring yourself into a place of harmony and keep pursuing your mission. And your success is imminent. If you're doing the right things, it's going to work out. So last question, Reva, um, you know, looking forward, right. You're, you're trying to change the, the current, the, the status quo, bring a, a new mindset, try to change it for the, for the betterment of our society. Right. Yeah. Looking out five, 10, 15 years, what, what would you, what would you like to see happen in healthcare, healthcare education? You know, what does that look like to you? I think that there is an opportunity to more tightly connect the dots between health education and healthcare. I, I do. And I think that there are sensitivities and nuances to that, but I think that we should aspire to uh, allow for that connection to exist in particular so that we can improve culturally competent care in communities and make sure that people are receiving what they need and that that's informed by a robust set of inputs, right? Certainly including inputs that come directly from the patient. So I think that that big picture vision is an important vision to to start articulating because again, there's so many different inputs into how we get there, especially in a world where artificial intelligence is emerging and data is being collected everywhere, right? So if we wanna get there, I think we need to be really, we need to be willing to scrutinize, you know, that whole picture. Um, and then the other thing is certainly closing the gap in terms of health education and what young people are expected to receive and what they actually are receiving today. So that 80 hours of health education per student per year versus the 10 that they get that we don't even know what it is. Let's close that gap and let's know what it is. And then this other, the other idea for me is really about ipsative um, measurement. So this is the fact that when you're in ninth grade, you know how you're performing from a math standpoint or an ELA standpoint compared to where you were in fifth grade. That doesn't exist today in health education. We believe it should. And 
we've created a solution that makes that possible. So you can really see how you're moving the needle for yourself. Weaver McPollin, founder, CEO of Lesson B. Congratulations on your recent win with the Chicago thank you. school system. We're rooting for you. We need more folks like you addressing health equity. So thank you, Courtney Schoon, my, my co-pilot here. Thank you for joining us. Um, for those watching, thanks for joining. Um, you can find us on you know, everywhere you find your podcast. So Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and marketscale.com. We'll see you next time. Thanks so much. Mm -hmm.